Well, let's pray together. What a powerful message, Lord, to, to be more like you and less like me, to embody the servant nature that you embodied, the example that you gave so well. Lord, as we look today at the discipline of service, just drive us again to your example. <clears throat> Show us again how we might indeed be more like you. Open your word to us today that we, that we see your servant nature more fully and we receive in you the calling to be your servants. We ask in Christ's holy name, amen. <clears throat> we want to read from Mark uh, chapter 10, verses 35 to uh, 45, and you can follow along in your Bibles, or here we also will have it uh, on the screens. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him, that is Jesus, and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. What a loaded statement. We want you to do whatever we ask of you. It sounds like something your kids might ask you. Mom and Dad, I want you to do this for me. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're saying, what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him, and he said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Donald Whitney, in his introduction on uh, the discipline of service, tells the story of the, the old Pony Express. And he writes kind of a synopsis. He says, the Pony Express was a private express company that carried mail by an organized relay of horseback riders. And the, the eastern terminal or the eastern end was in St. Joseph, Missouri, and the western terminal was in Sacramento, California. Now, being a rider for the Pony Express was an incredibly tough job. They were expected to ride some 75 to 100 miles a day on a horse, changing horses, every 15 to 25 miles. Other than the mail, the only baggage you carried contained a few provisions, including a, a kit with flour and cornmeal uh, and some bacon. 
In case of danger, you also had a medical kit of turpentine and borax and cream of tartar. Of course, there was always the threat of being attacked or robbed. So how in the world would you recruit for such an arduous and hazardous job? Well, in 1860, San Francisco newspaper ad recruited for the Pony Express this way. Listen to it. Wanted. Young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18. Must be expert riders willing to risk daily. <laughs> Orphans preferred. Can you imagine? Just the facts doesn't seem like though a very good way to recruit riders, and yet the Pony Express was never without riders. Granted, it didn't, Pony Express didn't last too, too terribly long because the telegraph and other things came in, but, but they were never without riders, even though it was a very dangerous, very difficult job. Jesus, likewise, folks, didn't pull any punches. He was brutally honest about the cost of following him. Luke 9 Verses 23 to 24, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Matthew 23, verses 11 and 12, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Sounds like, more like to me that Jesus is weeding out applicants rather than seeking followers. And then there's the text I read earlier. Two brothers, James and John. They, one wants to sit at the left. One wants to sit at right in the kingdom. Uh, in Matthew's gospel, they actually get their mama to ask the question for them. They remind me a little bit of children. Either way, they're seeking glory. Of course, the other ten become indignant when James and John ask to sit at right and left. But as I sure I told you before, I'm convinced they became indignant because they didn't ask before James and John. They were all thinking glory. But Jesus said, verse 43, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Today we're considering the discipline of service. And as Don Whitney writes, serving God is not a job for the casually interested. It's costly service. He asks, for your life. He asks for service to Him to become a priority, not a pastime. Did you hear that? He asks for service to Him to become a priority, not a pastime. You and I might say, it's good to be queen and king. But Jesus says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. 
Adele Calhoun defines service as a way of offering our resources, our time, our treasures, our influence, our expertise for the care and the perfection and the justice and nurture of others. In short, acts of service gives hands and feet to God's two great commands to love God and to love others. As you surely know, service can be as public as preaching and teaching, but it can be as behind the scenes as nursery duty. Don Whitney says, serving may be as appreciated as a good testimony in a worship service, but typically it's as thankless as washing dishes after a church social. And beyond the church walls, serving can be babysitting, running errands for the homebound, feeding pets for vacationers. Perhaps the hardest one of all is, is serving among our family, taking care of needs at home and serving one another. Anything we do for others, if it's done for God's glory, it can be an act of service. 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And you need to understand, folks, that every Christian is expected to serve. Every Christian. It's not just for a select few. It's a discipline for all who would call themselves Christians. The most often used word for a spiritual leader in the New Testament is the word servant. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest leaders in the early church, the man from whom we got so much of our doctrine, he calls himself a servant of Christ Jesus. Jesus is the perfect model. Verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Paul David Tripp writes that if anyone had the right to power, position, and authority on earth, it was the Son of Man. But He didn't come to exercise His power in order to be served, but to serve, even to the point of death. Every moment in Jesus' life, from the straw piercing His infant skin to the nails piercing His hands and feet on the cross, was a life given to service, and to suffering. Jesus was realistic. And He was honest with His disciples. And we must be honest with one another this morning. This discipline, the discipline of service, may be the most difficult discipline of all. It, it never has been easy. And it's just not in our nature. Just like James and John and the other ten disciples, it's not the way you and I define greatness. But it is the way Jesus defines it. The reason we struggle is called sin. And the root of sin is selfishness. We tend to be self-focused, self-absorbed, self-aggrandizing. You may find that insulting. You, you may even want to deny that. But the truth is, is we're all vulnerable to the temptation to make life about what we want. 
We're, we're all tempted to make life about what will make us content and what will make us comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with some comfort and contentment, but the problem is when we make all of life about our comfort and our contentment. Being servants requires something totally opposite. Again, Paul David Tripp writes, the joy of a true servant is not power. The joy of a, joy of a true servant is not control. The joy of a true servant is not a claim. The joy of a true servant is not comfort or ease. And of course, the joy of a true servant is not position. What gives joy in being a servant is service. Let that one sink in a while. What gives joy in being a servant is the service. So if the joy and the motivation to serve is not power or claim or comfort, but it's in serving, and if we're by nature selfish people, then how do we motivate ourselves to serve? Well, some of us are able to motivate ourselves by simply, uh, we want to be obedient. We, we just have a sense of obedience. We want to be obedient to the Lord. John Newton, who wrote the great hymn, Amazing Grace, once said, if two angels were to receive at the same moment a commission from God, one to go down and rule earth's grandest empire, the other to go and sweep the streets of its meanest village. It would be a matter of entire indifference to each which service fell to his lot, the post of ruler or the post of scavenger. For the joy of the angels lies only in obedience to God's will. So obedience to God's will should and could be a motivator for us, but for some of us it's not. Uh, we, we want to be obedient, but we just struggle. Therefore, for some of us, gratitude might be a better motivator. Samuel exhorted the people to serve in 1 Samuel 12, 24. He said, only fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things He has done for you. When we consider what great things the Lord has done for us, how can we help but serve? And chief among the great things the Lord has done for us is our salvation. And so we serve not to be forgiven. We serve because we're already forgiven. We serve because we're already saved and we're forgiven. And out of a deep sense of gratitude, we want to serve the Lord. You see, when I first acknowledge all that God has done for me, when I stop to consider all of His great works, then my ability to serve God faithfully and joyfully and cheerfully only goes up. When I'm motivated by gratitude, I'm more likely, as Psalm 100 verse 2 says, to serve the Lord with gladness. And then another way you and I might motivate ourselves to serve is, is by just having a, a deeper sense of humility. Someone has said that the the symbol for this discipline 
ought to be the towel. Remember that story? Remember that story? Jesus took a towel. And he washed each of his disciples' feet. And when he had finished, he said to them, John 13, I'll begin with verse 14. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, so that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I don't know about you, but I'm blown away every time I read that story. That the master of the universe would stoop down and wash 12 pairs of dirty, nasty feet. Including the feet of the very one who was going to betray him. Including Judas' feet. If the Lord Himself can humble Himself that way, then surely, surely I can have a little humility and serve others. And, and then finally, but certainly not least, I think a, mo a motivation must be the motivation of love. If you're going to be a servant, you've got to be motivated by love. Love's at the very heart of the call to serve. Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This love should be rooted in what God has done for us. Realizing how much you and I have been loved by God, we should have a desire to love and to serve others. So I got a question for us. If someone were to describe us today, would they say she's got the heart of a servant? Would they say he's got the heart of a servant? I got to tell you, my first reaction to that question is to feel guilty. Because I'm pretty sure I would not be described that way. But I don't want to serve out of a sense of guilt. I want to be motivated by obedience and gratitude and humility, and love. And then my next reaction when you ask that question is, so what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? Maybe you ask a similar question. Maybe you don't, but I'm going to give you some suggestions anyway. Start with something manageable. Here's an example. Simple example. Try for the next week to ask your spouse or a colleague, a friend, workmate, classmate, 
Start by asking this simple question. What can I do for you today? What can I do for you today? And then go do it. Simple question. What can I do for you today? And then go do it. And then another possibility, again, keeping it manageable, is to consider and to seek after one intentional service or mission or project that you want to do this year. You know, sometimes we, we bite off all these different things and we, we come up with all these grand ideas, but we never put them into action. So maybe just one project. Here, here's one thing I want to do this year. Maybe it's, it's something with your family. It's, it's one way you want to serve your family this year. But this may be a chance for you to consider serving outside your family. Maybe a way to serve a neighbor or a friend. Maybe there's a project you see that needs to be done in the church or in our community. Just, just intentionally pick one and say, I'm going to go after that this year. This is going to be my service uh, for this year. And then finally, and I may be accused of being a little self-serving with this one. I, I hope not. I hope it's a way for you to consider entering into a deeper, a deeper service to God's church. Over the next six Sundays, beginning this Sunday, uh, with the welcoming team, each ministry team is going to take turns giving a brief presentation uh, about their team's calling and their team's responsibilities. And then you'll have an opportunity to, to look into whether or not that's a place you want to serve. And I hope the, some of them will, will be inviting you to serve. And I'd just like to ask you in advance to prayerfully consider how God might be calling you to serve in one of these ministry teams. And you'll hear more as we go. But how might God be calling you? Maybe there's a specific niche that you have on one of those teams. Do you have a servant's heart? Are you motivated by obedience, by gratitude, by humility and love? And how will you serve? Kelly, come on up and uh, tell us about the uh, welcoming team, and then I'll, I'm going to close us out uh, with, with prayer. And again, each, each Sunday probably early in the service in future weeks, you'll have a chance to hear about each team and prayerfully consider how you might serve. So primarily our responsibilities um, are to make sure that you as, as members have a pleasant experience, but more so visitors that come to our church for the first time. You only have eight seconds to make a first impression. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it's true. Your first encounter with a visitor to this church is very, very important to whether they feel comfortable in coming back or not. This church has a reputation of feeling like family. We want to make sure that continues. So our team has grown, um, and we're grateful for that, and we would love for it to continue to grow. <clears throat> we based a lot of what we initially started on Tom Rainer's book, uh, a welcoming church. Tom had done a lot of interviews uh, with, with people who had visited churches and their, their good experiences and their bad experiences. And we tried to 
to start out with, with a few of the suggestions that he made. Some of the things that uh, we've done is we've incorporated ushers and greeters. They're, they're basically, we all have the same responsibility. You'll notice a lot of times when the weather's pleasant, we'll have someone on the sidewalk, someone in the front of the church, and, and people here inside the church to, to uh, answer questions for visitors, to guide them in, in the right direction, to let them know there's a nursery available if they have a small child. Um, so basically, we've incorporated those, those two groups uh, as part of our team. Uh, some of the things that we, we have done so far, uh, the visitor parking, that was a big thing in Tom Rainer's book. Visitors showed up to a church the first time. Maybe they get here at five minutes till 11. There's no place to park. Beth and I had an experience when, I think before we even got married, at the Presbyterian Church in Davidson, North Carolina. They didn't do a really good job of letting you know when their service started or ended. So we were trying to be good, and so we show up for the first time at the Presbyterian Church in Davidson. We got to the doors, and right as we reached for the doorknob, the doors came open. Church was over. And we had just arrived, so we shook everyone's hand and told them how much we enjoyed the service, and back to the car we went. <laughs> so the website has a lot to do with that as well. So, um, but the visitor parking was important. Um, inside signage, so that folks come in. It's the last thing you want to do to a stranger is ask them where the restroom is, right? So we have signage now that lets folks know where the restrooms are, where the fellowship hall is, where the... The, um, the elevators are, things like that. Um, we are also doing um, a visitor packet or a little gift bag that has the Stuart Presbyterian mug in it. Um, it has information about our church. It has um, pin, a few little gifts as, a, as, a, as a, a little token of our appreciation for you to show up. Um, and, and building on that, we are, as we get enough folks to help us out, on our team, we look to have a, um, a little welcome booth out in the um, um, out, out, outside the sanctuary for folks to stop in. So really, um, we do have a team. We do have folks on the team. But as a congregation, you're all part of that team anyway. Um, so just make sure that if you see a face that you don't recognize, that you welcome them, you reach out, you ask them their name. Um, if they're sitting in your pew, just find another one uh, for that Sunday. Um, we'd appreciate that. But um, so if you want to be a part of the team or you see things that you think we can work on, things that maybe when you first started coming that made you uncomfortable or, or made you comfortable, reach out to the church, send us, send us an email through the church. Uh, if you're interested in becoming part of the team, you know, the requirements are you smile and say hello and welcome, and that's about it. So if you'd like to be a part of that, you can reach out to Beth and I, or you can reach out to um, email the church uh, and let them know if you have any ideas or if you'd like to be a part of that team. So that's about it. Thanks, Kelly. Good presentation. I appreciate what uh, all the teams are doing, a welcoming team. Um, we'll just say for some of you new people, this, this could be... Um, you could really help us with give us some perspective because when you're new, you see things that some of us who have been around a while don't see. So it might be a great opportunity for you to just say, hey, here's something that 
made me feel a little less than welcome, or here's something that would have made me feel more welcome, as Kelly said. So thanks. You're going to be hearing more about other teams, and we want to urge you to, to consider joining one or, or uh, supporting them or uh, praying for those teams and, and the work as, as well. Well, let me pray for us now. Lord, grant us servant hearts. Whether we're motivated by obedience or gratitude or, or humility or love, just, just make us servants. Call us and send us to serve our fellow church members. Call us to serve diligently on, on one of our ministry teams or in some other capacity uh, in this church. Send us out to serve fellow Christians far beyond these walls. Send us out to serve family and friends and neighbors. Send us to serve classmates and, and workmates. Send us to serve strangers. Send us to, to serve people who, who don't know Jesus at all. Remind us again and again that to be great in your kingdom is to be least of all and servants to all. And remind us also that all service, no matter how humble, if it's given to your glory, it's beneficial for your kingdom. And it's service that you honor. And it's service that you reward. Oh Lord, make us your servants. Call us, oh Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you today and forevermore. Amen.